You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will start with Tim's origin and then make our way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Uh, joining me again is Terrence O'Neill on this episode, episode 29, I believe, if I have my notes right. How are you doing, Terrence? Yeah, doing great, and uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, it was funny because... Um after the last episode, my wife asked me, she's like, oh, how'd it go with Rob? And I was like, yeah, it went really well. It's, it's, it's fun talking to him. And, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure if Rob and I went to the same high school, we probably would have been best friends. Uh, and then I, I was thinking, because I had a pretty big comic collection even in high school, because um, um, we had this system worked out that my dad gave me $3 for lunch every day to buy lunch. <laughs> but um, we could leave. We weren't really allowed to, but we, we did anyway. Left school for lunch, and the local pizza place would sell us, the kids, a, a slice of pizza and a Coke for a dollar. Oh, wow. So then that would leave me two bucks left over. And there was a comic book store right there in town. So every day during lunch, I'd pretty much pick up a comic or two when they were like 75 cents. Um, and some days that money went for candy or, or whatnot. But uh, so I had a pretty pretty big collection and picked up a lot of weird stuff just because what the heck, you know. And uh, I could imagine you coming over and seeing all the long boxes and my mom being like, um, it's two in the morning. Is that Rob friend going to leave? Doesn't his family worry about him? And um, But uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'd have been that way. Uh, sorry, Mrs. O'Neill. I yeah. Um, my mom said it's fine if I sp- if I spend the night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's been three days. Doesn't she worry? No, it's okay. I'm halfway through nightfall. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're at to part sixteen. I think it's going to go on for twenty two parts. So I'll be here a little bit longer. Uh, what's for supper? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss those days just because not to like sound like an old man, but I am. But when books were a dollar or 75 cents, you'd take risks. You'd pick up a lot of books that just caught your eye or that you'd like the cover or just seem, you know, oh, look at this. But, you know, at four or five bucks a pop, it's kind of hard to, you know, like just be, you know, or, you know, experimenting with a lot of them or just trying it for the heck of it. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. We, uh, my wife and I just got back from our, uh, uh, celebrating our eight-year anniversary, and uh, we went to uh, it's called a half-price bookshop or whatever. It's basically a, a used bookstore. People will bring in their novels or their books, their graphic novels, and some comics and just general like media type stuff. So you can, you know, 
but I bought uh, seven comic books, and they were all a dollar, and they were uh, pretty new. They had some like New Fifty Two stuff and pre New Fifty Two, and I picked up. Uh, I was trying to pick up some of the tail end of Tony Daniels' run. Uh, right before the new 52 started, kind of the Dick Grayson Batman uh, stuff. And right on the front of the cover, it says, Drawing the Line at 299. And I was, yeah. <laughs> I I was like, uh, wow, uh, I can remember the days of, like you said, 75-cent comic books and things like that. But I think they not only drew the line at 299, but they colored over 299. <laughs> yeah. um, I just picked up uh, Scott Snyder's... Um, I've kind of dropped the Batman title. I'm not... Not to make this podcast even longer, but the whole Commissioner Gordon is Batman, RoboCop thing. I was like, eh, I didn't want to do, or didn't want to, you know, follow that. And I've, I like Snyder's writing, but um, I did pick up the current issue. It's um, kind of a prequel to the villain that uh, Gordon Batman's going to be fighting, but it's uh, done with you know Batman kind of leading what he was doing before. But anyway, long story short, uh, that book is four ninety nine. Wow. Um, now it's it's a thicker book, uh, but rumor has it that DC Comics may up their price um, to like four ninety nine across the board. Wow. And I'm and I'm on twelve books right now, and I could tell you that I will I will cut <laughs> half of yeah. those books because um, it's it's just ex, it's an expensive hobby, and I, I like going picking up. I have so much fun picking up some older back issues. Like I said, I picked up seven books. Um, just over the course of you know our anniversary trip, going to different comic shops or whatever, um, I only bought one new book. Granted, I have a pull list, but I'm going. I can buy seven old books for the price that it's going to be for one single book. So yeah, the days of going, yeah, let's. I'm going to check this book out. I don't know what uh, Mega Men are or what you know the Suicide Squad was back in the day, but I took a gamble on it and enjoyed it. But today, I. I don't think I would do that. Just they're they're so expensive. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's how it was. They've released a lot of new Star Wars comics, and I was like, oh, these look really good. I should try it. But just the price tag was just like, whew. Yeah. Know? And I could. See, I have some friends of mine that have stopped buying single issues, and they only buy trades. Yeah. So I said they'll go to like you know Books a Million or Barnes and Noble or whatever you know the retailers or even on Amazon. But if a place they can thumb through them and go, oh, a story looks pretty good. I think I'll buy it. Rather than, because I was always one of those when I bought a single issue, I at least wanted to, if I didn't like it, I'm dumb this way. I wanted to at least complete the arc, the story arc, so mm-hmm. I didn't, so I didn't have this one random issue. And I was always hoping, like, okay, well, maybe it'll be better by the end. But I was always hoping, like, this one issue sucks, so I hope it doesn't go 12 issues, or I'm going to be investing a year. Yeah. So back in the day, it was like you could get away with like a long story arc was three or four issues. Yeah. Like back in the 80s, um, even the 90s, Batman guest starred in everything. Like every new book, like issue eight, there'd be Batman on the cover guest starring. And that issue always was like a higher price, you know, secondhand and always had better sales. And a lot of times I'd see that and be like, oh, well, you know, Batman's coming in issue eight. I want to go back and read, you know, one through seven. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have a handle on it. And there's a lot of titles like Starman from the 80s and stuff that I kind of really dug because of that. And I think. You know, the issues we're looking at today, Nightfall, one of the reasons why Nightfall was so popular is because, you know, these cover prices are $1.25. It was easy for guys who were really into Marvel or really into Image uh, to just be like, oh, you know what? Throw throw the Nightfall in there. Let me check out this Nightfall thing. You know, all the hype with it. Right. You know, it's just a buck twenty-five. Yeah, give me one of those. Or, you know, they see uh, 
because we're going to talk about 491. 491 went up a lot in price. That was sitting on the wall in a lot of you know places for 10, 20, 30 bucks. People were like, yeah, yeah, throw in a couple nightfalls, and uh, read it and were like, well, this is good. I'm going to go back and get you know the the parts I missed or keep reading it and continue with it. Uh, where if nightfall, you know, if Batman 497 or wherever was 499, people would be like, yeah, no, I'll skip it. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's funny that you know, like, so we're, we're before we get into it, we'll be talking about uh, Batman 490 and 491 as I'm looking at both of them. I have four copies of uh, 491. Yeah, uh, I have two here. <laughs> a first printing and a third printing. <laughs> um, I have a first printing and a seventh printing. Oh, wow. It went to seven? Wow. Yeah, it went to seven printings. Um, but I got um, – I was always a sucker for bagged comics. If you, um, I don't know if it was uh, like where you were living at, but I could go to a grocery store and they would have comic books like uh, there'd be five books in a bag or you know three books in a bag. You could see the uh, uh, back to covers. You couldn't see what the middle book was unless you kind of moved the poly bag a little bit. But I was a sucker for buying. We'd be at the grocery store. And right in front of the checkouts would be like a, this big spinner rack with bagged comic books that were – I don't know who, who did them. It wasn't like the grocery store, but they were sent that way. Mm-hmm. And they had Marvel bags, DC bags, image bags. So the DC bags right around this time always had a Batman comic in it or Batman was always on the front cover. And uh, inside one bag, I had two copies of <laughs> Batman oh, wow. 491, which I think was a, a total random fluke. But for the next, you know, while Nightfall was going on, if I had somehow missed an issue, if I waited a month, I could go to that grocery store and I could look and kind of peek through the bags and see. But it seemed like every time I bought, like, you know, Batman 499 or whatever it was, there was always a copy of 491 in there. So I don't know if they printed a bazillion of those or whatever. That's how I started getting into here's the fifth printing, here's the seventh printing, you know, or whatever it was. So... I, after a while, I kind of got mad. I was like, if I open up this bag one more <laughs> yeah. time. So, and I was kind of giving them to some friends, but I kept the seventh uh, printing because I thought that was the last printing that they had done. But I thought that was weird that it went seven. Yeah. Um, those bags, I know what you're talking about. They sold them in Toys R Us um, by uh, where I grew up. And actually, I still see them. There's a chain. I don't know if they're out in Ohio by you. They're called Five Below. And yes. They like, yeah, everything. Yep. I see them in Five Below still, and they're still the 80s comics. There's probably a whole bunch of Batman 491 seventh printings <laughs> at Five Belows across the country. But 491 is like – it really is Nightfall Part 1 or Nightfall Part 0, I guess. Yeah. So this was like the book – where like it proved you were like a true fan. Like if you had 491, you were there from the start because that one was really hard to get. And then a lot of people I think who who kind of were like, oh, you know, were hearing about the hype and Superman, the death of Superman was so hyped. This was the next thing. Kind of told their their comic shop, oh yeah, when Nightfall starts, throw in you know, give me part one or give me the Nightfalls. But this 491 wasn't included in it, even though it really is the start of it so this became like the book to prove like i've got 491 i first printing i'm a true fan what seventh printing or you know <laughs> right loser yeah <laughs> well and i don't even think um i don't have the trade um i have the asriel part of the trade the newest trades that came out um if i remember right i don't think 491 is included in the nightfall trade if you know, you didn't want to go back and buy the single issues. You could just go to Barnes and Noble and buy the Nightfall trade. I don't think 491 is in there. I think it actually starts with what 492. 
two. Yeah, I don't have the Nightfall trade, so I don't know, but I I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, Before we get into uh, the show, um, it's been probably a couple weeks since Force Friday, and I know Terrence and I are itching just to talk a little bit uh, about our what we bought uh, or just what we thought of our force Friday experience. So we won't take too long here, but uh, uh, what did you, uh, uh, didn't you take one of your daughters uh, to go out? Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. She's 10. We went to uh, target at midnight. Um, I think there's three places around here doing it. Uh, target, a Walmart and a Toys R Us and Toys R Us was giving out posters. And I think Toys R Us is kind of in the toy collector community kind of, uh, more respected and more hardcore. So mm-hmm. I think um, Toys R Us probably had the bigger um, bulk of the fans, but we went to uh, Target because they were raffling off these gigantic Chewbacca dolls, which were, they got to be like three and a half feet tall. Wow. Um, and they were really cool, and they gave you like a raffle ticket. I thought there was only one, but they ended up raffling off three. And our ticket was a six digit number, and we missed it by one digit, the last <laughs> digit. So as they're calling out each digit, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we got to the last one, and I was like, oh, we missed, I think it was like seven, and we had eight and nine. We're like, oh, we just missed <laughs> it. Um, but. Um, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. There was, I think, there was probably a couple hundred people there. It wasn't too, too like insane. Um, and the, um, the selection was wasn't huge, huge, but it was pretty cool. And we got a BB-8, and then um, they didn't. We wanted to get the Disney Infinity 3.0, but they didn't have the um, combo pack with uh, like Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker. So yeah. we ended up we ordered that on Amazon when we got back, um, and that's been a lot of fun to play. That that. Every time I play Disney Infinity, I'm like, man, I wish Disney could buy DC Comics because <laughs> what they do with Marvel and what they do with their properties and everything would uh, it'd just be so cool. Um, but um, but yeah, it was pretty fun, and I was kind of there were a couple people dressed up, one uh, Princess Leia, and I was like, all right, see you guys all in December. I'm like, these are all the same people we'll be in line with on at uh, midnight <laughs> in in December to see The Force Awakens. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really can't wait. I think it's going to be such a good movie. And uh, the only my only hesitation, uh, this could be a whole other podcast, is I just hope like everybody gives George Lucas a pass because you know what his move, the prequels, I, I hate the prequels. I, I'm a, I know Tim who, you know, has been sending you death threats when you <laughs> said you wanted to see Batman v Superman more uh, right, right. prequel guy. And I know there's some people who like the prequel. I don't like the prequels, but I also don't like all the George Lucas bashing. You know what? He, he's an artist. He, he took a risk. It didn't work. Move on without him. We wouldn't have any of this. So I just hope when the force awakens, people just like, Give Lucas a pass on his mistakes because, uh, you know, without him, there'd be none of this. Would be, you know, going to Battlestar Galactica conventions or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I even wonder. Uh, we did a uh, uh, a video podcast, if you were, on my uh, Rob's Rogues channel. Yeah, I saw that. That was really good. I like that. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about, you know, uh, the prequels. I think we talked about the prequels more than we did the <laughs> the classic <laughs> movies. Now that I think about it, but uh, something I forgot to mention on there. I wonder if Lucas had never done. The prequels, if we would even have the Force Awakens, if he would have been like, yeah, that's it. I only want to do these three films. Like, how how much longer could they have milked, you know, uh, a New Hope, Empire, and uh, Jedi? So I I kind of I don't know. I kind of think that the prequels are going to give us a really good movie. And I can I think I said on the show I can watch and I can enjoy them for what they are. 
And I think out of all of them, I watch Revenge of the Sith the most out of all of them because I, I do think it's out of all of them, it's it's more it's more concise and it, it, you don't need the other two films to know. Okay, this is kind of what happens. Here's how Anakin becomes Darth Vader and blah. Whether you like all the beats or not, I do think it's probably the better of. Uh, the three prequels, but um, yeah, for my Force Friday, um, I'm an action figure collector, which I'm sure you know, so um, uh, reviewing action figures, I'm always disappointed when they put fig- chase figures in there, like there's only one per case. Uh, the six-inch Black Series figures were, I don't know if people thought that us adult collectors or even kids would buy them, so um, in some Toys R Us's around me, they had zero Black uh, Series figures at all. So, uh, hard ones to get right now are the First Order Stormtroopers, and I was uh, lucky enough to get two of them, and I got uh, Kylo Ren, and then the bug bit me, so I went back through uh, some older store, or some older waves, and got like Slave Princess Leia, and I got uh, some Clone Troopers, and uh, Luke Skywalker, and a couple different things, so um, I kept telling myself I don't need to go back into the, <laughs> yeah. a- action, or the Star Wars action figures, because I have totes upon totes upon totes of Star Wars stuff that I could review on my channel till the cows come home. Um, and I think I'm going to start doing some of that too. But um, so yeah, that was my Force Friday. And I was the first one in line at Walmart. And I said, do we need to you know, get in line? The guy looked at me like I had 12 heads. He's like, no, you can just pick what you want and just wait till 12.01 to check out. And I was like, oh, well, cool. Okay. So, you know, when episode three came out, there was a line a mile long around Walmart waiting to get in and get action figures. So I'm kind of wondering if people that that were kind of like on the fence about this film, once it comes out, are going to be sorely uh, sad that they didn't go out and go get stuff on Force Friday because some of the stuff you're just you're not going to find again. Yeah, I heard that BB-8, the remote control BB-8. Is like really hard to get. Uh, we got the one. We got one with a controller, but the one that you can control with your iPhone, mm-hmm. I've heard, is has become scarce. But yeah. I don't know. To answer your question, um, you, 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 like the prequels gave us the Force Awakens, same way that Batman and Robin and Joel Schumacher gave us the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. I think we would still get the Force Awakens. Um, I just think it would look a lot more like the prequels. I think the prequels showed like. The strengths and weaknesses of Star Wars mm-hmm. and what to do, like, and so they're going back to a lot more practicals, a lot more, you know, aliens and costumes and puppetry and stuff that people loved in the first Star Wars. Same way Batman and Robin showed us, like, what not to do in a Batman movie. <laughs> right. um, and so I think that's the way I, you know, I, my problem with Episode Three is your favorite, and I agree it's probably the better of all the films because. You know, the first ones are, you know, you have the stupid, like, Jar Jar Bink fart jokes and right. stepping in, you know, poop and stuff, which I, I, one documentary said it's like somebody's idea of funny who's not funny, like somebody <laughs> who's not funny trying to be funny. funny. And I think that's in the People versus George Lucas or one of those. Um, and they kind of got rid of all that in episode three. And it's more of a serious, hardcore story. My problem is it, I think they went too far with Anakin, like killing all the little kids and stuff. Like, it, they, they, took him to past the point of redemption and they could have just had the incident that, you know, turned him be when he killed all of the, um, sand people, you know, cause that could have, he could have come back and the Jedi council could have like admonished him for that and kicked him out for that. And that could have been the rift. And I think that would have been better. Cause a lot of people would have been like, 
on Anakin's side. Like you, you, when Anakin walks into a room of little children and murders them all, like who's on Anakin's side? But, right. But, but what makes a good villain is when you kind of actually see the villain's point, or you're, or some people be like, wait a minute, I don't think he's wrong, or feeling like he's justified in his anger. And, you know, he's trying to free people from slavery and trying to, you know, do this. And they had, he had the thing right there and they just kind of like blew over it and made it something worse. And, and then even though it is the best film, it just, it, it's so damn depressing at the end because it's like, you know, he becomes Darth Vader, you know, uh, Queen Amidala dies, the kids are split up. And then it ends with like this beautiful shot of Alderaan and you're like, oh, well, that's going to blow up in a couple of <laughs> months. Or, or, it, or I guess Leia's like, what, 18 or 20 when yeah. the movie starts? So it's like, oh, they got about two decades left of this beautiful planet and then it's <laughs> going to be asteroid debris. So, you know, I, I do think three is the best, but I also yeah, have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Um. I think Jedi is still my favorite out of the bunch. Um, I, for whatever reason, I've, I've always liked that one. Um, I think uh, Empire is a very close second for me. But um, yeah, I can't. I can't wait for the film. Uh, Hindsight. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I said I. Th- I think it'll be uh, the wait. Will be will be worth it. You know, we're just now we can say we're we're months away. Yeah. from the film, which is just mind blowing. I was thinking about this, and hindsight's twenty twenty. But I wonder what you th- think about it. What if Lucas, when he made the prequels, ended episode second, uh, uh, second episode or episode two, ended that with Anakin becoming Darth Vader? So he was like all of Vader in episode three. You know, like I, you think that would have been better, or even half of episode three? I I think so. I uh, the payout wasn't big enough. I would have liked to have seen Anakin. You know messed up and end up as Darth Vader by the end of the Clone Wars and then for episode three, whether he's in the full suit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think it would have been cool to have Darth Vader in the suit for the whole entire uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, I, that's kind of what I was expecting. So when Attack of the Clones ended, I was like, oh, oh I guess we'll get Darth Vader for the whole third movie. And, yeah. you know, he, he was called Darth Vader for the last quarter, but we only saw, you know... I know it's kind of like the, you know, the money shot at the end. It's like, all right, we're not going to show you everything. You know, you're going to get, you know, three movies after this with Darth Vader. We just want to show you this little uh, bit, but um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it would have it would have made it a little bit uh, better, um, like you said, if we would have had uh, Darth Vader a lot earlier. I also think it would have been better. Like, yeah, he didn't have to be full on suit. Uh, you probably wouldn't put him in the mask because the voice and all that. But have him on some kind of life support. But I think it would have been better if it would have been Count Dooku or or one or General Grievous or Revis. I always forget it. Or you know, um, yeah. who uh, gave him these injuries instead of Obi Wan? Because now you watch four and you're like, well, Obi Wan's kind of a jerk. Like. You, you cut his legs off and you just leave him there to like burn alive. Like you don't even get him some help. You just leave. You know and you could have stepped aside. You could have just hit his lightsaber. Like, you, did you really like? I mean, if he was your true friend, would you just leave him there to just burn in the lava, or at least like <laughs> give him a mercy killing or something? Like, you know, cut his head off, or like if you're willing to, you know, like a, a true friend probably would have sacrificed me. Like, look, I'm not going to kill you. You want to kill me? Go ahead. I'm shutting my lightsaber off, but I'm not going to kill you. You know, but when you make the choice to fight him and then chop his legs off at least finish the job so then when episode four comes and they meet on the De- death star you're kind of like yeah i can understand why anakin would be you know mad at this guy you know like <laughs> and i would have thought it would have been something like 
you know, Obi-Wan dodges out of the way and Anakin falls. And, you know, I was trying to save you. I was trying to hold your hand. You slipped and you fell. And, you know, all that type of stuff. And uh, one of my friends on the podcast had said, you know, where Anakin's or Obi-Wan's like, I have the high ground. Yeah. (laughs) A friend of mine was like, and? Yeah. (laughs) I have the low ground. Congratulations. You have a a geography figured out. (laughs) Yeah. He's also a Jedi with powers, too, you know. But the uh, bring it back to Batman. It's kind of like in Batman '89, where like the Joker or Jack Napier blames Batman for turning him into the Joker, even though Batman really didn't. Like he tried to save him, he tried to help, you know. But he's still because he's a villain and he's kind of warped. He's like, it's your fault. You did this to me. You created me. You know, it'd be better if it was a little bit more of like a, that kind of situation than straight out like, yeah, I chopped your legs off and then just left you for dead. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was funny. Last night, um, I was talking to my wife about the podcast, and I was like, um, I was like, she's like, oh, what are you and Rob going to talk about? And I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about these two Batman comics. Uh, they came out 22 years ago. <laughs> and then here we are talking about a movie that came out 30 years ago. And then last night was the uh, premiere of the season nine, I think, of Doctor Who. So we, yeah. we were watching that last night. And then uh, my wife was like, what? She's like, oh, do you have to watch it now or could you watch it later? And I'm like, well, you know, I got to watch it now. I'm like, 22 years from now, Rob might want to do a podcast on it. And, <laughs> and we got to, I got to, be- so in 2037, if you want to, if you're doing a Doctor Who podcast, I'm available. So, all right. Well, I've got a lot of catching up to do. I've never seen a single episode of Doctor Who. Can you believe oh, that? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people haven't because it's British and it wasn't known and stuff. But I, since it's been on Netflix, a lot more people have seen it. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've got. It, it, I have the, it's in my queue to watch to watch them a friend of mine's. If you're gonna watch one, watch this. I can't remember which one it was, but he set it up for me. Okay, yeah. But uh well tell you what, let's uh we'll go back to Gotham here real quick. I know you're under a little bit of a time constraint today. Um what we're gonna do right now, we'll let the synopsis play. And again, because we have these wonderful audio dramas and uh Terrence is back in school mode, uh teaching and I'm just we're getting off Labor Day, so I apologize that um there's only one episode this month, and my wife and I had our anniversary, so we thought we'd do this here, and we'll get episode 29 just under the wire for uh, this month and the month of September. And we'll let the audio drama do the synopsis for Batman 490 and 491, and when we come out on the other side, Terrence and I will talk about these two issues that lead right into Batman Nightfall. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the show.
Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends as opposed to what we actually are, people who don't know each other's names, and met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before. All right, before we continue on here, um, Terrence had to get going a little bit, so I'm recording this and going to splice this in a little bit. I was going to have Terrence read these because uh, uh, Terrence had some correspondence back and forth uh, with a listener, Jim. Uh, Jim Remold, if I'm saying your name right, I, I apologize. I know it's always trying uh, difficult to kind of uh, read somebody's names. Like, I haven't heard this person say their name, so Jim, I apologize. Uh, but he and Terrence had some... Uh, uh, emails going back and forth, and I was going to save some of my replies uh, live here. I'm doing air quotes here. So like I said, uh, Terrence was originally going to read this, uh, but he had to get going just a little bit. So I'm going to go through and do the email uh, section of the show here. Uh, first uh, email from Jim. It says, great episode. This is my favorite era of DC. Um, I've got to say it's uh, one of my favorites, too. Uh, this is kind of where... Um, I came into the uh, DC universe properly where I was buying books, wo- uh, <laughs> buying books. There's a hard word to say where I was buying books uh, weekly. So uh, this is, I, I just, I love this era of the, the nineties comics, uh, like them or love them for most people, but uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Jim continues. I know you probably get other emails about this. Uh, you guys mentioned Sandra, Sandra Consolving. man, I can't read today. Uh, she was actually mentioned once in the beginning of the hush storyline. Cause we had said that, uh, we didn't know if uh, she was ever mentioned again um, after Nightfall. And so uh, he did point out here that she was mentioned one other time. It says, after Batman sustained head injuries and was rescued by Huntress and Oracle, Alfred, or, Oracle and Alfred were discussing what to do about Bruce's injuries. And I believe that it was Oracle had mentioned Sandra, and Alfred did say that she was better. Uh, a little bit after Tommy Elliot was called to the hospital, I believe we see a cameo of Sandra at the hospital. And I went back through and looked at the Hush series, and yes, we do see a little bit. But it says, unfortunately, I do not have the issue number uh, as the story has been collected uh, digitally in, uh, you know, or, you know, in trade paperback form. So, yes, um, I have seen that. I, I can't tell you what the issue is uh, either, but I have uh, uh, seen that. And after I read your email, I went back through and uh, looked at Hush, and yep, there she definitely is. So, I thought she was an okay character written in uh, Nightfall, but like Terrence and I had said, that, oh, here's this brand new person. Well, she's probably going to die. Well, you know, something else ended up happening to her. So that they revived her for, um, or revived or brought her back for Hush. It would have been nice if they would have kind of done a little bit something uh, else with her, or at least had her been on the medical team at the hospital along with Tommy Elliott to kind of help her. But if uh, Tommy knows uh, much about uh, Bruce, like, you know, he does throughout the hush, maybe there's a reason why he doesn't want Chandra there. So I'm probably, you know, jumping the gun here. Uh, Terrence had a reply and as he and Jim were going back and forth. And like I said, I was going to kind of keep my comments uh, for the show here. Like I normally do. Uh, Terrence's reply says, Hey Jim, thanks for the email. Uh, now that you say it, I think I remember those mentions of Chandra. Uh, would you think that with her powers, a star labs, the one to experiment on her, uh, what makes this your favorite era of DC comics? Is it the nostalgia or do you really think that there was something special about this era? This is my favorite era too, but I think it might be the nostalgic of the time period that I was at in my life. So that was uh, Terrence's reply. Um, and Jim has a, another reply for Terrence here. 
It says, hey, Robin Terrence, there was some nostalgia, but I really enjoy the stories that are told. You get the topics of the death of Superman and the brutality of Bane, but you do not get the gore and the over-top violence that you see in comics today. I don't want to sound like a prude, but I like the old-fashioned way of horror where the violence is eluded without the over-top violence. You know, I kind of agree with what Jim is saying. It, you would kind of see things off-panel, or it may be in shadow, but you didn't... Like today, you would see all the gruesomeness that was going on, even the breaking of Batman. I think it would be a lot more graphic um, than it was back, you know, in the 90s or in the 80s. You would see, you know, just like it is with Batman getting broken over Bane's knee, you just see the word break and just the, you know, the colors. I think if that was happening today, you would see, you know, the spine coming through, you know, the back of him and all this, you know, gruesome stuff just for the sake of doing it. Um, a friend of mine said, that's kind of what makes the Victoria's Secret catalogs <laughs> so cool. It's, you know, you know, it's almost more than the Playboy would be at some point of not totally seeing everything and let your imagination run wild. I know that's a, a poor <laughs> choice, but that's something a buddy of mine always says. You know, even just in movies, when things happen off camera, y- your mind sometimes can do a much more horrific job than actually kind of seeing it or your mind won't go to that. You're like, Oh, I, I can't even imagine what that would sound like. But uh, Jim continues on here. We see some of the injuries that lead to Superman's ultimate death and the brutality of the fight, uh, across the country and the culminating in Metropolis, at the doorstep of the Daily Planet, no less, would have caused much more gore and injury to both combatants, and the creators did not see the need to show all that, and I I totally agree. I also like the emotional weight of the stories. I found myself actually crying uh, whenever Lois or Clark's parents were on panel. Ma even felt to put her own grief on hold because she realized that Lois needed them so much. Again, that... That is so cool that that they took those beats and those comics to do that, and uh, I think sometimes that's what's missing in current comics is is the emotional. You know, we'll we'll drive five hundred miles an hour and we'll crash somebody into the wall, but there's not the the remorse at the end. There's not the the sadness. You know, for life. If you know, if it was the Batmobile that drives in, or even even Damien's death in the New Fifty Two. Yeah, it was. It was really kind of felt, and I think that's kind of the one exception, but in other Bat books that were dealing with it, it was just a, a quick little beat. Oh, it's it's Bruce's son is over and done with. Mike, that's a pretty huge deal. Uh, Tomasi and Gleason handled it, handled it perfectly because it was in the Batman title, but in Detective Comics, it was totally glossed over, and I think that should have been dealt with a lot more. But yeah, the 90s was really about, you know, emotion. There's emotion and weight that is going on. And I I really, really liked that. Um, He continues on here. He says, I felt for the Chandra and Bruce romance. Yes, I know it never would have lasted. Come on, we're talking about Batman. But the ending of her story and the involvement with Bruce was very painful. It hurt Bruce to see Chandra knowing that her own mind was just a little girl and not the woman that he fell in love with. I would like to see Bruce happy, but I'm with Alfred in The Dark Knight Rises. I want to go to the Italian cafe house and see Bruce Wayne happy. But if Bruce Wayne's happy, he's done being Batman. But I, I do get that. The person that is just driving himself into an early grave, you want to be able to go, you've done all that you can do. Go be happy. So I, I, I agree with you, Jim, on that point. He concludes his email here. There were some clunkers in this time period 
as well, like the fall of Hal Jordan. But we did get an awesome character in Kyle Rayner, even though it did not change much. He did not change much during his run. Um, I absolutely love the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. I'm a child of the '80s, so yes, I'm aware of Hal Jordan being uh, Green Lantern. But during the '90s, uh, it's even still today, Kyle Rayner is my Green Lantern. I would love for uh, Batman versus Superman to have a Kyle Rayner appearance. I know it's probably going to be Hal Jordan or probably John Stewart, but uh, uh, I think just because of nostalgia and when I was reading comics, uh, Kyle Rayner will always be my Green Lantern. Uh, I conclude this email here. Sorry for the lengthy email, but some of those were my thoughts to the answers to your questions. All the best, Jim. And Terrence and Jim are not done yet. They each have uh, two uh, emails here. Uh, Terrence uh, replies back. It says, uh, hey, Jim, I totally agree with the violence in comics, and I am uh, reading this for entertainment, and I know that some people like it. But I've never been entertained by the overly graphic, realistic violence, especially if it's done uh, on innocent women and children. That's why I really don't like the identity crisis or some of the parts of the parts of the Watchmen because of the rape or attempted rape. And I, I, I totally agree. Some of that stuff, I'm like, even if it's alluded to, it kind of bothers me. But when you're going down that road and you are going to really start showing some things, even the killing joke um, is is really notorious uh, for some of those scenes with Barbara Gordon, which kind of brings to mind they're going to be doing the an animated movie on that. So I, I wonder how they're going to handle that type of stuff. I imagine it's going to be done off camera and it'll just be done with, you know, screaming or just you know, very blackened or blurry images. But yeah, that always kind of bothered me too. Uh, Terrence continues, I don't see what's so entertaining about it. I think DC in the 90s did a good job of keeping the emotions of the stories real, but the violence not realistic. Um, I, I agree, too. The the violence, when you saw the violence, it was way over the top that took you out of the violent nature where you go, okay, that type of thing really doesn't happen. So the violence kind of became less, and it went back to more of the emotional end of the uh the aftermath of the violence, you got that emotional end rather than just, Oh my gosh, look at the way he broke his arm. Uh, even that stuff was done over exaggerated. So it, it played down on the violence end. Terrence says, I still remember reading the issues where Lois had to tell Clark's parents heartbreaking. I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I kind of teared up during that part too. <laughs> I also remember the character. I also remember the character of Bibbo had an emotional impact uh, on me. Terrence says, uh, one of my best friends agrees with you about Bruce having a happy ending, uh, but I have to disagree. I like angry old Bruce Wayne from the uh, Batman beyond or of a dark Knight rises or kingdom come in my mind, Bruce keeps fighting all the way into old age and then goes into a Lazarus pit and comes out 20 years old and starts again. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I I just said in Jim's email, like, oh, I want to see Bruce happy too. But uh, Bruce Wayne, I think, is one of those characters that just doesn't, I shouldn't say doesn't deserve to be happy, but he doesn't get to be happy. Once you put that, you know, that happy little denouement at the end of the story, well, the, the story's over. Um, I don't. I don't ever like reading the last Batman story or, you know, Bruce Wayne finally decided to settle down and married Selena Kyle and they lived happily ever after. And somebody else is taking over the mantle of Batman. It's we've kind of said before, Bruce Wayne is going to die in the bat suit. Um, I think even if Bruce Wayne is on his deathbed, he's going to suit up one more time 
and just go into a gunfight knowing that he's going to die as Batman. So Bruce does not get the happy ending. So I kind of got to agree with Terrence there, but some part of me does want to have the uh, Alfred Pennyworth happy ending too. Um, Here's Jim's final email here as he and Terrence were going uh, back and forth, which was kind of cool to read all these. This is on the subject of violence. I wrote a review on the Justice League, uh, Gods and Monsters, one shot for the BatmanUniverse.net, which you ought to go check out. It's a really good read. Um, uh, and I'm referring to uh, Jim's uh, review here. The book was dark and violent, but I did not think the violence was overly graphic for the book. And the most important, the most important, important part of the violence is either shown in shadow or by focusing on a bystander. And he said that really great in his review. And I did like that about it, that uh, there were some violent things going on. uh, But I said, it's, it's better when it happens off panel. It's better when it happens when you get the, the bystander and them witnessing, you know, you have the hero lifted up above his head and getting ready to come down on the knee. And you pan over, to you know somebody else like in metropolis just kind of looking at it going oh my gosh and you can only imagine the look on that person's face of what they just saw so um and i had gotten in the email chain here this is great email guys i'll reply on the next episode and if terrence is there he'll be happy to read them i'm sure well we kind of ran out of time so i ended up reading these emails so hopefully you guys didn't mind that uh it's great having terrence on here so we'll go back into the show with terrence and i and uh we'll be taking a look at batman 490 and 491 the pre nightfall saga and we're looking at the final building blocks being put into place for tim drake uh finally getting his ongoing robin series the 183 issues so let's get back to the show all right before we get into the synopsis here let me give you the uh, background information on these two issues uh, batman 490 had a cover date of march 1993 with an on-street sale date of january 19th 1993 for the cover price of a whopping $1.25. Boy, I wish they were $1.25 still. Uh, the title is Who Riddled the Riddler? The writer is Doug Minch. Uh, the artist is Jim Aparo. Letters is Richard Starklings. And the colorist is Adrian Roy. Uh, Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, like we said. Uh, the cover credits go to Travis Cherist, and the inker is... Ray A. McCarthy. That is for Batman 491. And using Mike's Amazing World here, which is a really great resource, like I always mention, um, Batman 491 has a cover date of April 1993 with an on-street sale date of February 16th, 1993, just six days after my birthday. <laughs> so that was pretty cool that this came out. Uh, the cover price, again, is the big bad $1.25. Boy, how did I afford it way back then? <laughs> I would love to still afford it. Uh, the title of Batman 491 the Freedom of Madness. Uh, again, the artist and writing credit is exactly the same, uh, with the exception of the cover credit going to Kelly Jones, and he would start doing a lot of the uh, Batman Nightfall uh, storyline, or covers for Nightfall, if I can get my words right. Uh, the audio drama, again, will, or the synopsis will be done by the Time Warner Audiobooks audio drama. Um, it's really cool to have these um, 
rather than hear my uh, dumb, silly voice doing them, which I, I do enjoy doing them. Uh, but it just kind of helps uh, speed things on a little bit on my end. This is one of the last few uh, that I have here. I don't have much uh, for uh, Robin or hardly any at all anymore uh, after we get out of the nightfall. But I thought this was a nice change of pace that you get to hear um, a little bit of the uh, radio drama. Um, like I said, we'll kind of jump around from spot to spot just looking at the Tim Drake stuff. For this first little bit, though, uh, we are going to be kind of following the nightfall issues in order uh, just for a little bit here then we will take some jumps so without further ado uh, the synopsis will be done by the BBC radio cast presenting Batman the complete nightfall saga and this will encompass uh, Batman 490 and 491 hope you guys enjoy Meatwagon just took the croc up to Gotham General. Both arms broken. Uh, but I don't know if it was Batman who did it. Sure as heck not his usual M.O. And you think Robin is back, Harvey? It's been such a long time. Uh, put it this way, Commissioner. The kid was wearing a red vest with a gold letter R on it and a cape. Not exactly the outfit he used to wear, maybe. But too close for the Easter Bunny, if you catch my drift. Uh, go type up your report. I'll wait up here another five minutes. All right. There it is, Jean-Paul, the next roof. And there's Gordon, waiting for us. And I should still pose as the Batman. Bruce wouldn't want to let him down. Maybe if you hang back and stick to the shadows, Gordon will... Gordon huh? will know. Batman, I... You might fool others, but not him. Thanks for your help, Hasriel. I'll handle it from here. Better go change. I'll catch you later. As for you... Are you going to chew me up for wearing this suit without permission? Depends on what you've learned. Let's see how you do with Batarang in line first. Come on, Robin. Sorry I'm late, Commissioner. You remember Robin. Yeah, Robin, good. Good to have you back. Good evening, Commissioner. Well, his manners have improved. The signal. What have you got for me? Got a lousy riddle. Came with the usual extortion demand. What crowns just one but beats a dozen? Bim, bam, boom. Some percussion. You check this for fingerprints? Yes. They belong to Edward Nigma. Edward Nigma? The Riddler. Edward Nigma. Enigma. I get it. That's really dumb. No sense in drawing attention to ourselves now you're here. I'll switch the signal. Oh, here. They've gone. <laughs> what did I say about manners? Stupid system, that bad signal. Anyone with any knowledge of electronics could eavesdrop on them. He moved differently. Slower, almost in pain. And whatever is wrong with him, it is the reason he sent an imposter to confront Killer Croc. But Killer Croc was nothing. And this Riddler. Ah, I'm going to solve this riddle first. And when I find this Riddler, I'm going to pump him up. Car door. Bane seemed all pumped up somehow. And there were these, like, features in the back of his helmet. Injecting some kind of chemical directly into his brain? Yeah, making him one angry dude. And he's sharp, too. He knew John Paul wasn't you. Saw through him right away. As if he'd figured it out. Figured what out? Well, there's something, you know, wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with me, Robin. Now I have work to do. You'll have to make your own way home. What? I've got to track down the Riddler. You're not ready to face Major League criminals. Not but yet. Go home. Hey, great. Thanks, Robin. Oh. Speed, 52 miles per hour. Reducing to limit. Exiting downtown Goodwood Freeway. Hard to focus on the riddle when I'm trying to fight off this fatigue. 
Computer, read me back the text of the extortion note. What crowns just one, but beats a dozen? Bim, bam, boom. Some percussion. What crowns one, but beats a... Reversed. Now heading north toward Gotham Central. Caution. Vehicle is over speed limit. Activating forward safety radar. What crowns one but beats a dozen? The clock tower on top of number one Gotham Plaza. The belfry crowning city hall. <laughs> Bim, bam, boom, some percussion. In five minutes and still no sign of the Batman. Such bad manners to be late after all the trouble I've taken... Still, it's a good idea to quit the belfry before... Stay perfectly still, Riddler. Here is an enigma for you. Oh! Oh! Good. Oh. Who are you? Breathe deeply. Venom works more quickly in oxygenated blood. What's happening to me? Oh, the effect will wear off in a few hours. And then you are nothing again. Oh. Midnight. The countdown's begun. You're losing your touch, Riddler. It usually takes me a good half hour to solve your stupid. Batman, ah! oh, you were almost too late. On the last bong, at the stroke of midnight, this whole building will go. Oh. You're using something, aren't you? Aha! Regular you can't beat it! Come on! Well, I got to put him down long enough to stop the bomb, and this bell might do it. Only one time to go. Got to stop the clapper hitting the hour bell. The man's it's too strong. Can't, can't hold it! The wire's pointed. Bombs were never my strong point. Huh? This is how you really riddle the Riddler. Do it, Trog. Riddler, get down. <laughs> ah, message for you, Bats. If you think the Riddler on Venom was hard to beat, wait till you meet someone raised on the stuff. <laughs> so long. Pain. The Riddler was just a pawn in his game of strategy. But what's the master plan? Where will all this end? Gotham City Armory Emergency Line to the police department. Cut me through somebody for Pete's sake. We have a full-scale assault taking place here. It's like an ordnance inventory for World War III, Commissioner. Harvey's not exaggerating, Commissioner. Automatic assault rifles, anti-personnel mines, heavy machine guns, fragmentation grenades. Yeah, excuse me. Even a few crates of shoulder launch stinger missiles. Yeah, right side seems to be that nobody was hurt. Not yet. Something tells me there's a body count to come. You think those munitions were stolen for domestic use, Montas? Commissioner, that was a truckload of real exotic weaponry. And right now, it's loose on our streets. We got a warehouse full of artillery, Bane. How do you want to move against the Batman? I've stopped toying with him, Bird. It's time to unleash his worst nightmare, to undo his very life's work itself. Fetch me the blueprints of Arkham Asylum. Arkham? It was your suggestion. A simple idea, but uniquely effective. Oh, yes. He cracked that shell, and believe me, the nuts will fly.
video shot, Jean-Paul? Long hair doesn't suit the image I want to project. Asriel's going to join the respectable people. Something like that. I've got to shape up. You know, you could lighten up, JP. You'd make a swell crime fighter if you could lose the urge to kill the criminals. Just cut the hair, Robin. I'll deal with this in my own way. Arkham Asylum. Take you back to the jail on Santa Prisca, boys? Quiet, talent. It's like on the blueprints, babe. The old building there, the original Elizabeth Arkham Asylum, is mainly administrative. The modern part off the back is the roundhouse. The circular building with no windows. Those are the violent wards, truck. Those will be our target. Zombie truck. Bring the rocket launchers. Bart, where did you dump the other weapons? Two caches are sitting just near where we blow the perimeter fence. They're bound to find the gap, and then they can help themselves to arms and ammo. Good. Let's move on. Tranquilizer dart, which hit the Riddler, contains substance identified as super steroid drug, originally produced under the name Venom. It renders subject immensely strong and increases aggression. Computer stop analysis. Yes, Bruce Wayne speaking. It's Shondokin solving, Mr. Wayne. I like to think of myself as pretty hot stuff in the field of holistic medicine. But if one session with me has resulted in your total recovery from exhaustion, I want to tell the world about it. Uh, the herbal restorative was very helpful. It did seem to relax me. Hmm, good. We ought to build on that start. I'll call you later to arrange a date if you like. I'd, uh, I'd like that very much, Dr. Consolving. Chandra. Right, Thank you, Chandra. I appreciate your calling. And it's Bruce. All part of the service. But listen, Bruce, get some rest. You can't function without it, okay? Rest, right. Uh, thanks, Chandra. Goodbye. Rest. I'll need more of it than you know. I face a man whose blood supply is replenished by the ultimate performance enhancer. Venom. <laughs> you don't want to go straight back into the restraints now, do you? Listen, pal, the trouble with you is that you think I suffer from insanity. You're wrong. I enjoy every minute of it. I ain't got time for this. Take a nap. It'll make the time pass quicker. Oh, that's a good one. The judge sentenced me to Arkham for 300 years. Good thing I didn't get life. Now, why so What is it, Lois? Hey, guard! Hey, turn off the intercom or speak up, will ya? The monster is holding! He's aiming it at the second floor! Hit the arm! Now this sounds more like it. Incoming! <laughs> what a mess! <laughs> I spend all day tidying up my cell, and some inconsiderate mischief maker fires a tank round into it! <laughs> I'm gonna make sure they think twice before doing it again. I'm gonna right here in the bin, and we're going to take it to the highest authority in Gotham City, in person! Ah! Look out, world. It's Joker! Ah! Perfect. Targeting the Joker's cell was a good idea, Bane. He's smart enough to have released those others. Smart or crazy? Bad. I'll tell you, Commissioner. 
Montoya was right about them stolen munitions. They sure as hell stayed in Gotham City. James, somebody decided to give them to every lunatic in Arkham Asylum. Harvey, look out! One escapee heading your way! Well, there's quite a few of these guys. I'm not going to be running around for too long. Oh, free! Free to gather my legions once more! They thought to imprison a god! I only had to call down thunderbolts to rescue me from their feeble grasp. They can never contain Maxi Zeus! Hey, uh, Maxi! Yes? Message for you from Mount Olympus! You gotta have a way with these people. You're sick, Harv. Master Bruce! Uh. Alfred, what is it? Sir, the signal. I would have ignored it, but I've just seen it on the news. Somebody blew a hole in Arkham Asylum this morning. What? Every misfit you've hunted down and had put away in that hellhole is armed and trying to escape. Hello? Hello? This is Jeremiah Arkham. Please, God, they can't cut the phones already. Help me! Somebody! They're battering down my office. I'm afraid the prognosis is not good for you anyway! Ah! Batman, the Joker, he's got Jeremiah Arkham in there. Any of your men in the building, Jim? Not yet. Keep it that way till I come out. Uh, no. Dr. Arkham, as a former inmate of this establishment, I want to explain this little leaving present me and the boys are giving you. The straps of the jacket run through the length of phone cord, which in turn uses the desk lamp as a pulley. The plug is used as a toggle, which ties it firmly to the trigger guard. Now, for maximum benefit, please keep your whole head in front of the shotgun. Not that you dare to move it anyhow. After all, the point of the exercise is to remove that useless part of your anatomy. Joker, please. Now, don't go away. I want to forget you exactly the way you are. Commissioner Gordon, can you read me? Very much. I'm in the roundhouse, the violent wards. Power's out. I don't like it. Let's try switching the mask to night vision. You'd better call for more body bags, Jim. Some of the inmates couldn't wait to leave the building before they got to work. Did you hear that? Sounded like Jeremiah Arkham to me. Coming from up ahead. Batman, be careful. We don't know how many have escaped and how many more are waiting in there to pounce. Batman's in there now, Bane. Think he knows you did this to him? If I didn't want his blood so badly burned, I could almost pity him. Batman? Batman! Over here, in the security pen. Dr. Arkham? How do you open this cage? Wait, it's booby-trapped. Connected to this restraining suit. The whole thing will blow my head off if either one of us moves to untie it. Uh-huh. Wait a second. Can you move your legs? I don't know. I really can't feel them. The wire's too tight. Okay. Now I've rigged this batarang to sever the wire tying your head to that trigger. The second it hits, you kick yourself backwards in that chair as hard as you can. Got it? Uh, I'll try. What if you miss, Batman? He's dead if I miss. Here it comes. Batman! Thank God! The Joker. Where is he? The wing is deserted. Where are they all holed up? Gone. They're gone, don't you understand? Nearly all the criminals in the maximum security area have escaped. Everything you've achieved in your career is dead, man. It's gone. All those years spent cleaning up the city. The horrors I've endured to try and set the world a little straighter. Joker, Scarecrow, Ventriloquist, Amygdala, Poison Ivy, Clayface. How many are back out there? How many lives will be forfeit following this escape? Dear God, have I the strength to recapture them all? No, 
No. No. Okay, we are back from the uh, Warner Brothers radio drama that was done, speaking of Doctor Who and BBC. This was done over in Britain. So I'll put up some uh, info notes here um, on the uh, BatmanUniverse.net when the uh, show goes up so you can kind of see the cast. Um, I don't know if I said it the last time or not as I was editing the show, but uh, Michael Gaw, if I think that's how you say his name, of uh, Batman 89 and Batman and Robin fame uh, does reprise his role uh, as Alfred in this. So that's kind of cool to hear a familiar voice uh, during the uh, uh, radio drama. So Yeah, and you did say that last time because uh, I remember you said it and you kind of like papooed a little. You were like, well, if anybody cares about that. And I was laughing. And I'm such a nerd when I was listening to the podcast and it came up and it, it was like Alfred's voice. I'm like, that's Alfred. Like I, I got like this little like, that's the real Alfred. And I'm like, man, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I didn't even really notice it when I first bought it way back, and I think it was obviously after this all came out because they had the you know Night Quest and all of that, um, and there was a sticker on the front of it, but I really didn't pay attention to the sticker until I'd opened it up and put it in my car. So when my other friends are listening to music, I'm listening to a radio drama. But uh, yeah, you know, first time I heard Alfred's voice, I looked at the labeling and I was like, man, it's written right there in red letters. Michael Gall of uh, Batman film fame reprises his role of Alfred. I'm like, gee, how much of a geek am I that I don't <laughs> notice it, but I buy a radio drama. So, uh, uh, like we were saying that, um, 491, I don't believe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong is not in the trade uh, the newest trade for, uh, Nightfall. Um, I know for sure that uh, 490 is not. Um, originally, for the last podcast, I had talked about doing Detective Comics uh, 657 and 658, which is kind of the sort of a lead-in. Detective Comics and Batman didn't start going, um, you know, every other issue to tell the story until uh, we get to uh, 492. Then they start going uh, back and forth. So Detective Comics is wrapping up their story beat, which is kind of more Robin and Azriel a little bit, which, since this is Robin, everyone loves the Drake, you would have thought I would have gone that way. But the voice in my head says, I still really want to get to the Robin ongoing series, which is why I started this whole podcast to begin with. So I thought it'd be better to just kind of skip those. They're cool issues. Go check them out. But I wanted to get through more of the Tim Drake beats uh, to get to the uh, Robin ongoing series. So um, what did you think about uh, – let's do 490. I know you said you were buying these when they were first uh, coming out. Um, uh, right off the bat, I cannot stand this cover <laughs> at all. Um, and I like um, – where's the artist? It's not – Aparo does the interior, but I'm trying to figure out – um, I don't have Mike's Amazing World open. I'll have to look at it. It's but. the same guy we talked about last ish, last time who did like 489 oh, and yeah. the one above that, the the Asriel, um, uh, the one that – the really cool one with Robin and Asriel. Yeah. And uh, I forget his name too. He's got an R-A-M I think is his initials on here maybe, T-C. I see the initials. I don't see it. Yeah. But you're right. It's weird because um, when I look at it, it's hard to – I can't say why I don't like it. Like I can't really – and. Is got more talent than I have ever have, and there's well, yeah. <laughs> if you look at little sections like the cape looks cool, the buildings look cool, and stuff. But just 
just something's off. Just something's just not on model, or it's just it's just off just enough that it just doesn't appeal to me. It's just kind of like, oh no, I don't like it. Um, and it's it's really really hard to come up with the why of it. Uh, that and uh, the Riddler appears to be able to be levitating. Now, if he's on a clock tower, and we're led to believe that the clock, it almost looks like the clock is flat, like it's a table. Like mm-hmm. the only people that can read this clock is if you're from a helicopter. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so it looks like the Riddler is leaning Batman out over the top of this uh, building, but in the interiors of the book, it's just a it's a clock tower. So the clock would be on the you know the parallel side of the the building. So I don't know if it's the tiny feet. Yeah, there's enough in here that I'm like, oh that that little part's cool. That's cool. But as a whole, um, to quote my sister, it's a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, totally. But luckily, he did not do the interiors, and the interior art's pretty good. I like the Jim Aparo art. Uh, yeah, and I think that these are the last two Aparo. It, well, I shouldn't say the last two. Um, I know he takes a little bit of a break, and we get Norm Breifogel uh, again for the next couple. So I think they're. It was kind of like Batman Eternal is doing, or Batman and Robin Eternal is getting ready to start. There's a, a rotating series of artists. Um, after a while, I think Kelly Jones will do all of the covers for uh, the main Nightfall series. And then I think it'll go between Norm uh, Brayfogle and then Jim Aparo for uh, most of the uh, Nightfall story. And then towards the latter part, it's just it kind of seems like it's any random artist that they can get a hold of to uh, do the book because they were getting ready for zero hour at that point by the time it ends. Yeah, uh, Kelly Jones I did the Batman ones, and I'd never heard of Kelly Jones before, but I really liked it, even though it was very stylized and mm-hmm. not realistic. And then he got all that vampire stuff, which was really cool. And then uh, I think the detective was done by somebody else, the guy who did um, the Max comic. I can't think of his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Keith Giffrin. No, no, Keith, Keith Giffrin's the writer. I can't think of his name right now, but he did the Max, and he was doing like the detective side of it, which were really good. Sam yeah. Keith, that's yes. it. Sam yep, Keith. Sam Keith. I, it yep. just came to me. I had Keith Griffin. I had Keith in there, and that was messing me up. <laughs> but yeah, but the, yeah, the the covers for Nightfall to me are epic. Those are like legendary covers. Yeah, each one. Um, I think every issue, I was like, oh, that should be a poster. Oh, that should be a poster. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much these, although uh, four ninety one is just a, a, an iconic shot, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're, you'll have the same ad. I'll, I'll point it out once we get to 491. But let's move into um, 490 here. Um, I do want to put here, down on the bottom left-hand corner, it says, Batman created by Bob Kane. I'm sure you've heard of the news that from now on, it will say, Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Oh, I did not hear that. When did yes. that come out? That was uh, aw- that's awesome. Uh, yesterday, Warner Brothers and um, I forget what other their conglomerate was, and uh, the uh, Finger family uh, came to an agreement. So the first uh, title that is going to have the Batman, or excuse me, Bill Finger's name attached to it is going to be the TV show uh, Gotham. And then I think the December books, I think, will start having Finger's name into it. But the big one, uh, Batman versus Superman, will have Bill Finger's name attached to uh, the title. Oh, that's awesome. So um, it's been 75 years in the making. Yeah. 
Um, and, and rightfully so. There's been pictures of what Bob Kane's version of Batman looked like. Uh, blonde haired, looks like Jean-Paul, <laughs> wearing yeah. red tights and kind of like the um, Batwing apparatus uh, that Da Vinci did. And if it wasn't for Bill Finger, that's what Batman would have looked like. And some people w- had been saying that if they went with Kane's design, Batman probably would have got lost. So all the cool, iconic things that we think about Batman um, are... Uh, attributed to Bill Finger. I mean, he did Robin, the Riddler, Catwoman. Um, Kane may have drawn them, but they were Finger's uh, inspiration. So I think that's really cool. Um, who riddled the Riddler is what this uh, particular uh, episode or episode uh, issue is. Um, we leave right off from the previous uh, issue where Jean-Paul is masquerading as uh, Batman, just because Bruce is so you know frail, and um, and uh, Aparo does a really good job of showing kind of the you know shakiness and the weariness of Bruce, and I love the opening uh, dialogue or monologue that Bruce has here. You know the the bat signal's been fixed, but I'm still broken. Kind of leading us into that whole you know there's just something not right with uh, uh, Batman. Yeah, that's really good. And then right away too with the whole. Uh, Batman Azrael switch here. Um, it shows kind of like what uh, you were talking about last time. How the way they draw Batman uh, Azrael and Batman Bruce Wayne, they look exactly the same. There's like no difference whatsoever until he takes off the cowl and shows his uh, Kurt Cobain style haircut. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even like later on in the issue, uh, they uh, Azrael still kind of looks like Jean Paul. Still kind of looks different than Bruce, but in a a few pages, that'll get changed right away. I think it's in 91 when he's getting his hair cut. It looks like if you just colored that hair a brown, he looks like Bruce Wayne. Um, Aparo's Bruce Wayne. Um, We we mentioned it last time, the armbands uh, that are on Robin and Azrael and even uh, Bruce Wayne Batman later are signifying Superman's death, that this is still going through all the DC comics for quite a while. So regardless of who uh, you were reading Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, you know, Superboy, uh, they all have the armbands for uh, for still quite a while. I think uh, for the next two or three months uh, they kept that. So that was nice that there was some uh, continuity uh, there too. Uh, just the scheming. Uh, not ske- I should say, was scheming. Uh, the uh, plotting that Bane is doing just in this book of you know having like a tracking device on the uh, the bat signal or, or a hearing device uh, so he can hear what's going on. So here's how he's able to stay a step ahead. Um, the something that we thought was odd here. I know that Bane isn't from you know Gotham City or whatever, but all of his uh, Bane still has no idea you know, like who the Joker is or who the Riddler <laughs> yeah. is, and all of his henchmen have to kind of ex- explain that to Bane um, as, you know, and that thoughtful is the wrong word, as, you know, maniacal and and uh, uh, the word is escaping me, uh, how Bane is able to, you know, take down Batman. He isn't even aware of who the rogues galleries are or who... It's like Bane's just letting people go at random, and it's somebody like Bird going, I should let that guy go first, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, page three is kind of like, my pet peeves here about Batman comics, like they can just eavesdrop on the bat signal. Like if you advertise your meeting place, I, you know, I realize it's a comic and all that, but don't you think more people would show up there? Cameras, Uzis, machine guns, you know, bombs, like it's, and then this is why I hated Riddler. Even though I like the Riddler, I hated Riddler issues because 
and people badmouth the Schumacher films, at least in the Schumacher films, the riddles, you could guess what the riddles were. Like the whole point of the riddler is he gives the riddle and you as the reader or the fan or the watcher are trying to guess it. But they'd always do this in comics. They'd give some riddle and there was absolutely no way on <laughs> earth you could ever come up with it because it was just some weird random thing in Gotham that the writer invented. Like, so there's no way you could read this and know later on, oh, it's the Gotham Clock Tower or something because it's just something completely out of the author's imagination and that's why i was always like what's the point like what's the point with that you know like i, I want to try to guess it at least you know batman forever it was lame you could guess it was a match or a tennis court or whatever those things were like real easily but yeah. it was still something that the average person sitting there and if you're 12 or 14 maybe you can't guess it that easily would get when these they would do this a lot with two-face too and two-face would like leave a clue two-face was just like and a lot of stories, just another Riddler, just all of his had two. And be like, oh, it's the second anniversary of the opening of the Second Bank of Gotham. Let's go. And you're like, how would I have known that? That's no, you know. So yes. it's 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 just like a a quick and easy way to get them somewhere. And um, it just seems odd that Bane is doing all this eavesdropping and everything that they wouldn't have had this area more secure, especially with two Batmans in the issue and all of that. But um yeah, it just kind of it moves the story on quicker. I think. Um, I going through this, I uh, was looking at where, you know, it, Tim really put himself out on out on the line here. Having Jean Paul, this could have been the moment. Like once Jean Paul leaves, Bruce could have easily looked at Tim and said, "You're done. You know, you stole one of my suits. You had somebody that you're trying to train poses me, and he both of you almost got your butts handed to you." So this could have been we could have gotten right to the Robin miniseries really quick here. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of weird too like page 6 and 7 there's a lot of um uh pages used to get Batman to the Riddler at the clock tower which I never really kind of get what the Riddler's plan was in this totally but it's kind of interesting because it's kind of the tired cliche on page 6 of Batman sending Robin away or telling him you can't do it which we hadn't seen a lot with <laughs> Tim Drake but it's totally different because I think in here, and they don't really imply it, but it's almost like Batman doesn't want Robin to see him weak, doesn't want to see his weakness. Where normally it was like, oh, well, I don't think Robin can handle this or I don't want Robin to get hurt. This is a new spin on it where he's like, I don't want to see – I want, I don't want Robin to see just how what bad shape I'm in. So that's kind of, kind of different. And two going on with that, that I always took it too that I don't want to have to have – Robin bail me out of the jam and I get us both killed. If, if he's not here, um, it's, I'm on, I'm the only one sacrificing myself. And I still think we were at that point where, yeah, you're ready to be Robin, but, uh, you're not ready to be my a hundred percent backup because I, I can't take care of myself and still look over my shoulder. I'm, I'm not quick enough. I'm not fast enough yet. And uh, even though he's not mentioning it to Robin, I like how he just leaves him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, you know. But And then it, it gets you to the Riddler who, like, what's his deal here? Like, he's like, bing, bang, boom, some percussions, only 10 minutes and still no sign of the Batman. Well, he's had his chance, time to blow this up. So, like, is the whole idea that he wants to set a bomb to blow up Batman... Well, then why go ahead and blow it up anyway? And, like, there's no, like, reason for wanting to blow up this tower. It's not like he's robbing a bank or stealing from an art museum or anything like that. It's just a weird thing. Like, I'm going to blow up a bell tower just to blow up a bell tower. It's almost like they really didn't put a lot of thought into 
like the idea was like, oh, let's have Bane shoot the Riddler with Venom and pump the Riddler up and have Batman have to fight the Riddler. Um, and they're really like the how that happens and all that. They just kind of really didn't spend a lot of time on getting it there. And then it's weird because they're fighting and it looks like the bomb is ticking away seconds. So I was like, well, did the Riddler only give himself 12 seconds? Because on page eight, the device is set for 12, which I thought was 12 minutes. Yeah. So, but then, like, when they're fighting, it's like ticking real fast. So I'm like, are they in a 12 minute brawl here fighting, or did he only give himself 12 seconds? It's just, it's kind of a weird thing. I can't imagine Batman in this state and Riddler in his state, like, slugging it out for 12 full minutes. But, you know, once again, I think it's just the clock ticking down to try to give that kind of urgency. Um, and then the Riddler doesn't try to get away till you know two minutes left, so it's just kind of, it's kind of a weird thing. Or I guess it's dings of the bell that's causing it to go. I, I really am confused about what happened in the I, clock tower. I yeah. was really hoping. I thought when I call Terrence, we do his podcast. I hope he has the definitive answer that I've been waiting twenty years for. Um, you let me down, Terrence. <laughs> yeah, just, he's he's yeah. trying to stop the bell from ringing, and then he's like doing all his strength to hold it. Uh, which how hard is that? And then he just throws a batarang and and knocks out the detonator. Why didn't you just do that in the first place? Or why didn't you do that before you started fight? You had to, a twelve minute fight. You could have like you know knocked it out at any time. So it's kind of a weird. Yeah, sorry I let you down here, yeah, but uh, that's all right. That's all yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it just the art looks cool at least though. Oh yeah, the art's great. Um, I I think I've said before uh, that I can forgive a poorly written story sometimes if the art's beautiful. But if the art's horrible, I don't care how good the story is. I have a hard time making it through the book when I hate every panel. Um, but I, I don't hate I, I love the uh, the art here. And I was trying to go back through and go, is it the ticking of the bell that, you know, okay, there's going to be 12 ticks and that's going to be, you know, it's going to be 555. And that was the anniversary of our first capture. There's, there's none of that, you know, none of that yeah. here. Yeah, this the, this whole issue move is really pretty uh, quick. You know, we've got uh, another phone call with uh, I about said Chase Meridian got Batman Forever on, but, yeah. Uh, uh, consolving, uh, where we find out that uh, Bruce basically paid for her like college tuition or her scholarship program, and Bruce tries to play it off like, no, no, uh, Lucius, you know, picks a worthy candidate. Yes, it's my money, but I really had nothing to do with it. Blah blah blah. So. Which is kind of weird when you go back to the last podcast where she was like, Bruce Wayne, I don't, forgot about you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your parents were murdered. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I would know the guy who like gave me the scholarship, but still, it's more in there. But, yeah, it goes real fast, and then it gets you to page 16 where they're back on the roof and they're listening again. Yeah. Uh, you would have thought that somebody would have said, uh, you know, we shouldn't be meeting here. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we're using, you know, our, our technology now. You'd have people on smartphones recording it from every single rooftop, uh, you know, possible. But hey, it's Batman. And then uh, this last riddle that you know we're moving into seventeen through uh, the end of the book, where you know the high tide's coming in. The Riddler's got this bag of, you know, toxin. When the tide comes up, it's going to flood, you know, the waters of Gotham City. And I'm like, why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Do you know exactly when the tide's going to come up, and you hope that Batman's going to come and stop it? But this is a you know a full uh, venomed uh, Riddler by this point, and uh, I think Bane makes some mention in here to his henchmen, like if if he if they don't stop it, that uh, they're basically going to end up 
at the bottom of the river. Um, yeah, page 17, he yeah. says, fail, and maybe I'll find new aids. Yeah. But it's kind of weird because the riddle has got the computer skills to actually hack the GCPD and wipe out their entire computer system. Yet he, his reason for doing it is to leave a clue that he's going to poison the water. Like, you could have hacked into any bank and been <laughs> very rich. It would, and, yeah, I think the whole thing is just because somebody somewhere in DC Comics thought Poseidon and poison – somebody must have misspelled that somewhere <laughs> yes. or something or done something. And it became an inside joke and it became this comic. Or There's got to be something. You know, If only I had uh, Denny O'Neill's phone number, we could call him up and ask him or something. Because I think that's the only reason for this. And it seems weird – I mean, that's some powerful poison because it's not a very big bag of it. No. And I've read other Batman comics where there were poisons and, and things that they got rid of by throwing it in water and, you know, and it, it d- diluting. So, yeah, that's pretty potent stuff. So he's got access to this incredible <laughs> potent poison and computer skills to hack it. And I don't really get why he's doing any of it. So No. Uh, you know, uh, he gets shot up and... Uh gets the Batman has the ambulance called and uh, our final panel is Bane holding up the blueprints for Arkham Asylum which brings us right to 491 is the breakout and uh, the issue that like we said if you have this one you're cool if you don't yeah. well then I, I guess you can get one of my 12 copies that I have <laughs> yeah go, go to go find a find a store that sells bad copies of comics uh, I want to say something about this last issue too because yeah if you had asked me before I, I reread these to paraphrase like Nightfall, uh, in the beginning I'd say, well, there's Bane and he wanted to fight Batman, but he knew he couldn't take him on. So he tried to weaken Batman by you know, releasing all the inmates at Arkham Asylum uh, to wear Batman down and then yada, 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 the whole rest of it. I'm not going to you know, do that now. But it's actually not because my memory, either my memory's bad or what, because – as we've established already in the podcast, Batman was weak and tired and getting run down long before Bane ever did the Arkham breakout. And then on this last page, it's not even really Bane's idea to break out Arkham. It's actually Bird because Batman, I mean, Bane is talking about like coming sort of coming up with sort of like the germ of the idea. And then Bird is like, uh, I'm way ahead of you. And he's the one, he opens up the blueprints. He's like, we cracked this shell and believe me, the nuts will fly. Like, um, well, that, that, that sounded really weird reading that out loud. <laughs> yeah. that, that that puts a whole new like meaning on what's going on in this little like hideout of these very four guys who hang out with each other <laughs> together. Um, but anyway, um, it's Bird's idea. And then later on, as we get in 491, it's even Bird who's like, no, we got to get the Joker. The Joker's the one that'll cause all the mayhem and everything. So I kind of even forgot about bird and i wouldn't have even mentioned him paraphrasing and it's more like his idea so either i just misread nightfall or did you kind of have those misconceptions as well before rereading it or I, were you i was the same way i, I had okay. only a couple notes um from reading this because um, i thought oh i remember most of this and the one thing i kept coming away from it it's kind of like the dark knight rises uh, in a way, uh, Bane's the muscle. Yes, he's smart, but and rises. It was more Talia that was like, "This is what we're going to do. You can think and figure this stuff out." But here's the idea. It's kind of that way. Uh, yes, Bane is very smart, but it's Bird that's like, "We need to do this. We need to do that." Um, Trog is another one that's kind of another ear for Bane. Um, 
a little bit. He's more of the uh, in the beginning of ninety one here. He's doing the remote control with the the R two D two droid. Basically, yeah, the payoff for that wasn't as good as uh, <laughs> lead it up, but yeah, no. Uh, but you know, I, I was the same way. I thought, wow, I I guess I thought this was Bane centric, and he had just some mindless thugs. When not that it was the reverse, but more. I guess I had forgotten that uh, uh, it was a, a whole group effort, and Bane's the one that's going to. Okay, here's the idea. Fine. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna execute the idea. Yeah. And then like 491 reads really fast, but um, I don't know if you got this impression too. And I obviously would not have had this impression before reading it. Uh, do you remember the um, the new 52, the first Joker um, issues with uh, in Batman? And um, there's like the Joker's at the police station and you can't really see the Joker and he's like killing people. Do you remember that kind of art? Yeah, I got like the same kind of feel of the Joker in here. Not quite as much as where you don't see him, but where he's going after Dr. Arkham and stuff. It kind of felt like the same Joker. And I I had that same kind of feel and vibe to it. And I really liked it. Yeah, definitely. Um, The ad I said I wanted to point out here. On was it page four is the front cover for this very issue here, so it's like Batman is going where he's never gone before. Nightfall breaks out in 492, and I'm like, that's the cover for 491. So you're showing me a cover of an issue I already have. It's like, hey, go get this issue. I already have this issue. Yeah, <laughs> but they use that that art a lot. Like yeah. this Nightfall ad, I think was in every DC book or every DC of this format for yeah. the month and everything. So that. That was like used a lot, which I think is why why a lot of people then were like, "Oh, I got to pick up 491 because of the art and the ads and everything." But it's kind of cool because like the um, the the coloring's a little different, so it's yeah. it's kind of like a um, and the bat symbol it replaces the logo. So I even though it is kind of cheesy to have an ad for the like the issue in it, <laughs> I still I, I kind of like it though. I still like like the look of it. It's really cool. There was a Topps trading card set that I have that uses this uh, image. Uh, on. I'll put it on the uh, Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. I got the whole entire series. I thought it was a, a chore to get, but I completed it. But this was the foil wrapper um, that you had. And just looking at the Nightfall image here, um, you would. There's no Bane in sight, so it's like, ooh, Batman's going to be fighting the Joker. This is going to be really cool. Yeah, it's not really the story. Um, yeah. On uh, page of five here, we have uh, pizza eating Harvey. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Dent, which I has always made me chuckle. And uh, when I saw it, I just I instantly started laughing because the first time I read this, I was like, uh, I like this guy. This uh, this Harvey Bullock. He's he, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, in the radio drama, uh, the person that's uh, voicing uh, Rene Montoya sounds so horrible. I know Harvey. You know what happens when he shoots Mister Green Jeans? It's like, <laughs> what are you trying to sound like? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I've not listened to the radio drama. So as you're playing it, I'm I'm kind of listening it. So it's been fun to kind of listen along. But I'll have to listen to that when we really redo it. Um, like I said, this is a pretty quick read. We've got uh, Jeremiah Arkham that's writing uh, in his uh, I won't say diary, but more of his uh, his patient um, writings that he's been going through, which are really kind of interesting. Um, we have uh, Robin cutting Jean-Paul's hair on page 7. And uh, the, here's the panel that uh, just drives me absolutely batty. It's in 8, the very first two panels. Uh, that is clearly Aparo's Bruce Wayne uh, with, just, yeah. w- with yeah. just blonde hair. So they've already committed uh, to 
Uh, now he's really buffed, and he's been working out a lot. But uh, there is a nice little beat here where uh, he knows that Killer Croc has got the best of him. Let's hurry up. Let's cut my hair. Let's get it out of my face so I can see better because uh, I've got some training to do. Like he's not going to let him. Uh, he's not going to allow himself to lose again. So he's already kind of starting to go down towards that road. Nothing said you worked out hard in the 80s than a towel around your neck. No. That was like the sign of, yeah, good workout. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a sweat going. Uh, the, the workout's over. Give me a towel. I'm done. So that way when you go to the gym, you can go, wow, this guy's really been working out. He's got a towel and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it would have been cliche, still, I think it would have worked better if they would have had John Paul by himself like shaving his head or giving himself a buzz cut, like the mirror shot. Like, well, I know that's been in like a million movies yeah. and a million things, but still, I think that would have worked a lot better than like my boyfriend's going to cut my hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Oh, everyone loves the barbershop Tim Drake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, the rest of this issue, not that I'm trying to breeze through it, but it goes by pretty quick. It's just the giant breakout. And I was trying to, as the issue is going on, trying to see if I can pick out the inmates that are running. At the bottom of page uh, 10 here, I think that's Maxi Zeus, Poison Ivy, and I can't uh, pick out if that's supposed to be the Mad Hatter uh, behind them. I don't know, but whoever he is, Arkham serves good food because he's got a belly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and Killer Croc is on 11, but the other two guys, I have no idea. I, yeah, I I want to say that's probably supposed to be poison ivy. It's a very manly poison ivy. Yeah. Um, you know, Gordon was asking early on in the issue, um, and even Harvey and Renee about you know the weapons cache that um, the truck that was delivering weapons, which sounds like a horrible idea. Well, that's yeah. co- well that's come up missing. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen. And you know the breakout happening at Arkham. That's that's your clue, guys. So yeah. I, I couldn't imagine something like this happening in real life where you just have a weapons cache dropped at a prison, you know. <laughs> yeah. That'd be horrible. Um, we have, uh, you know, the bat signal getting shut off here in uh, 13 and 14 where, um, you know, Bullock's like, really, you want to shut it off? And Gordon's, you know, very much uh, aware that Batman's already seen it. We don't need to be tra- attracting more attention we know what's going on. We want to give Batman some element of surprise to not alert the people at Arkham. Well, hey, uh, Batman's been called. He's coming. So uh, I thought that was kind of a smart move on uh, Gordon's part here. And then, Yeah, like let's not call Batman on a radio and tell him to head out to Arkham. Let's bring him to the top of the police station first to then tell him to go there. So, yeah. Yeah, you've got to hurry up. Great. Wayne Manor's closer to Arkham than yeah. to the GC. I was just at Arkham five <laughs> minutes ago. You could Um. And I can only get, or just from reading Robin's dialogue here, that there must, there is probably a huge sense of urgency that he wants to go out, and uh, he and Jean Paul want to both go out, and Batman's still very dismissive to the two of them, and yeah. you know, having him do you know lesser uh, type things. Um, At least on page uh, fourteen, they're they're kind of a little more manly. He's doing some. Uh... Uh, push-ups. I, I would have liked it better if all the Robin Jean Paul cutouts were some kind of grooming. So they had the hair on one. They could have been doing their nails on another page. <laughs> you know, like a pedicure. <laughs> like they should have shown them like with their nails painted, like the the head. You know, towel wrapped around their head. And Batman has just been grumpy lately. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need to look pretty for him. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the last beat here with uh, 
it's probably one of the few Riddler beats uh, for a while here. We don't see the Riddler for, or the Riddler, excuse me, the Joker for a while, um, where he's got uh, Jeremiah uh, tied up around the neck with a shotgun right to his head. So as soon as that door opens, uh, he's going to get an extra ear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I like this issue. Um, like we were saying, not to try and make light of the issue. I know this is Robin. Everyone loves the Drake, and I could have jumped a little bit farther uh, into uh, to get to some Robin beats. But I thought this did a really good job of uh, having us to at least start the Nightfall story to, to know what's going on. Because I, I do kind of want to take a little bit of jumps and kind of stay more of kind of try and follow Robin. But I thought this was really good uh, for these two issues to kind of show you what Robin is doing. And I know he's not doing much, but that's at the uh, request of Batman, where Tim is still trying to respect Batman's um, wishes. But in, by the next couple issues, Tim's going to start taking things uh, into his own hands, and he's going to go after, you know, he's going to go after Firefly. He's going to go after the Mad Hatter. He's going to go track down uh, Talon, uh, Bird's Bird's Bird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. And uh, the the shot I uh, like here at the end is just a, a tired and exhausted Batman uh, to know that everyone has escaped uh, Arkham and he's just you know yelling out uh, in anger uh, to know that he has that this is the you know Batman Arkham uh, video game franchise that all of this would take place you know in one night that's kind of how I looked at uh, Nightfall I think it takes place over a, a couple multiple nights but. I couldn't imagine knowing that, you know, the lifetime that Batman has spent uh, getting all these criminals and however long it took, he has to do it all over again. Yeah, that frustration. Yeah. Hey, if you look on page in between um, 16 and 17, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at the third printing. There's a Wonder Woman ad. And then on the bottom of like right before 17, there's a little ad, there's a whole bunch of ads, but there's an ad for a comic called The Dark Stars. Yeah. I don't know if you ever read The Dark Stars. The Dark Stars is one of those ones that I was like, eh, what is this? I'll pick it up for a buck or a buck 50. And I actually really kind of liked. And I think it only lasted like 12 or 20 issues. It didn't last very long. But, um, I always liked it. They were kind of like the Green Lantern. It was like a interstellar police force, and I always wondered if they'd ever bring them back. And I, they, and I think in um, Dark Blackest Night they had some zombie dark stars or something. So I don't know where that all stands. But if you look, the writer was Michael Jan Friedman. The artist it was Travis Chartist. Chartist, and he's yes. the artist who did. 490 and and the other ones that he's the tc on the cover and i forgot right. that and he his art was actually pretty good in the dark stars but if you look at that little ad of that guy you can kind of see his lines and shadowing it how it's kind of a similar art style yeah very much looks like the you know the riddler's it, the shape of his his face is very much the same like i said his his penciling lines are right there i always loved looking at these ads and as a kid wanting to you know try and buy different things and of course i got shot <laughs> yeah. down constantly for it um i know you've got to get going here uh pretty quick so i don't want to keep you any longer i really appreciate you doing this terrence um uh before uh, we get uh, <laughs> to get going towards the end of the show um i would like if you would like to be on uh, the next episode i would uh, definitely love to have you again and i'm trying yeah, to definitely trying to line tim up um I'm not going to do a big, huge jump. I am going to do uh, 
the the technical part one and part two of Nightfall. It's a Norm Brayfogle issue, and there's a lot of Tim Drake in there, and just some more world building with Tim and Batman, probably fighting for one of the last times together, side by side, um, until uh, Bruce comes back in the end of Nightfall. So, um, Terrence, I'll let you go here, sir. I know you yeah. have some other things to do. Thanks so much for having me on. If you look at the letters, uh, it's pretty awesome, all the things coming up. And the Shadow of the Bat was starting at that point, and um, Nightfall. But then the very last thing, does yours have an advertisement for Make Your Own Video on the Sega CD? Yes. Yes, yes I does. actually had the CNC Music Factory of that. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that, I think I got it, like, I think I paid 2 or $3 for it. It was the worst piece of crap ever made by sega i mean if you look on the thing it had three screens and you could just pick one two or three to be shown like which one you wanted to have and then it would play the video at the end and it was just that one like gonna make you sweat song that was annoying (laughs) uh yeah it was like the worst but i I had sega cd i had i had the sega genesis and i had like every component for it because then you could add like the cd and then you could add like this thing that goes in on top of it it was i forget what it was called but like it went in the game thing and uh, 32x or so I, I forget, but yeah, I had all that stuff, and this was this is bringing back some bad memories. <laughs> wow, it was gonna make you sweat for I spent money on this. Yeah, what is that crisscross there? The other one? Yeah, oh, that wow. one I did not have. That one uh, eluded me. Maybe I'll <laughs> pick it up at a garage sale one of these days. We'll do a <laughs> review on it on Rob's Rogues. We'll <laughs> yeah, well yeah, we'll definitely have to and go. Now I know why I didn't buy this. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool, man. Uh, Terrence, thanks for uh, being on, and uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks, I promise, for the next episode of Batman. Everyone loves the Drake, the Nightfall Saga. We'll see you guys next time. Cool. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, one zero M-Y-E-R-S at yahoo.com. And I'll read your emails on the air. Make sure that you head over to the batmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. And Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. I get so hard to see.